So we're in the Hero series, and what we've been doing is, is it, this whole series was inspired uh, by Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11, you know, was, a, was what I call the, the Hall of Faith, uh, the, the, the Faith Hall of Fame chapter, and it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, and it was by faith, and it would just put this person's name, and it would give this blurb of something that they did that had an impact on our faith. Well, a lot of times we forget that the chapters and verses were not added in the Bible for a lot of years after the Bible was already. So a lot of times we see chapter 12 of Hebrews and like, oh, that's not connect. I'm telling you, it is directly connected to chapter 11. It is the very next. So Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, therefore, that means therefore, because of all of these heroes of the faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He said, in other words, because we've had all these people who have lived life before us as a good example, as a bad example, an example of what to do and what not to do, because these have all happened, let us throw off off the things that hinder our lives and the sin that trips us up and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that is what it is. So the, so far, um, this is kind of an easy little chart of showing you what we have so far is we've, we've went through some of the patriarchs. We've looked at Abraham and Joseph pr- primarily. And then after Joseph, there was a, a time of slavery. Then God raised up, and I forgot to put Moses above um, Joshua there, but uh, we di- we've looked at Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Rahab. We've looked at a villain that we named, or, well, that's named Achan. Then we have the time of the judges. So now we're over here, and, and so what happens is this. They, got, they brought, um, used Moses, God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and up to the edge of the promised land. Then, then, then the, the torch was passed to Joshua. And Joshua, Caleb, um, they led the, the children of Israel across and they took possession of the land. Well, in the book of Judges, they're really just trying to keep the promised land. You know, it's kind of like once you've been given something, sometimes it's kind of hard to keep it. Have you ever noticed that? God gave you a walk with him, and it's sometimes kind of hard to hold on to that, right? So this whole book, and so we looked at Gideon. Last week we looked at Jephthah. Today we are looking at Delilah. So um, today this is it, Delilah. We're going to look at a villain. It's just circumstantial that the villain happens to be a woman. I'm just saying it's just circumstantial, you know. Um, but if Samson was going to run a lap with us, he would say, watch out for her, <laughs> you know. So, you know, anyways, um, I, will, I will try to do something after this. So we have all these messages recorded, and they're put on Facebook and stuff like that. I'm going to try to put Tim Hawkins' um, song about Delilah in there. If you haven't listened to this song, it's hilarious, uh, hilarious. Um, anyways, so it just made me think of, of that. So, um, but what today we're going to do is, is be, be aware of pretenders, um, people who pretend to like you, pretend to love you, um, and really what they end up doing is just destroying you. So we're going to learn a little bit about that today. But before we can really get to talking about Delilah, we got to talk about Samson. So Samson, meet Samson, and I call him the fading hero. He comes on real strong and fades out to the end. So um, here we go in Judges 13. It says, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah uh, from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant, and you are going to give birth to a son. Now see to it that you do not drink no wine or fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So here is an angel. He meets with these folks, and he says, hey, you're going to have a child. He's going to take the Nazarite vow. Now, this is not something new, because actually, in the book of Numbers, God gave to Moses 
how this vow was going to happen. So now the Lord said, and I put the dot, 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 that's to Moses. I just sometimes run out of, of space. So the Lord told Moses, if a man wants to make a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, they must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice. He goes on and explains, don't eat any of that, the seeds, any of it. During the entire period of the Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They must be holy until the period of dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. And even if at their own mother or father, brother, sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them. Because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head, throughout the period of their dedication, they shall be consecrated to the Lord. So this is not a commandment to everybody. This is a vow that someone makes to God. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So we need to understand the difference between a vow that you make, I vow. So a vow, I, I promise that this is what I'm going to do. So it's kind of like your wedding Okay, come on, guys. Your, your wedding. There we go. I don't remember. I don't remember making any vows. When you're making a vow, this is I. I am making. This is what I say. I'm willing to do. This is what I'm going to do. This I vow that I will love you in sickness and health, for richer or usually poorer. You guys know how that works. You're like, when you're kids, you're like, we're going to be rich. Okay, poor. Yeah, that's really where this is headed. Okay. Um, you know, but you're making a vow. You're saying, this is what I vow. So this is if a man wants to make. I don't want you to miss that. If a man wants to make this vow, this is what he's going to do. If you, you, didn't, you don't have to make the vow, but if you're going to make the vow, this is what you're going to It's like this. You don't have to get married, but if you do, this is the vow that you're making. Right? And I mean, man, I'll tell you what, we're not good at fulfilling our vows. A command is when God says, I'm God, and this is what you're going to do. Did you realize, though, that the commands of God are actually sent to help us? You think, what's the big deal about touching a, a, a dead thing? You know, if I'm eating a cheeseburger and, I, and, 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 and there's a dead sheep on the ground and I drop my burger onto the, the, the dead sheep and then pick it up and start eating it, you're all going like, it's gross. You should see when we're like skinning out, you know, like a deer or something. I'm like, just grab that piece of meat and throw it on the grill. We're good. And everybody's like, oh. So the thing is, is this, is that when you, so the whole point of all of these, a lot of the rules and the laws and the commands that God gave us was actually to protect people from idiocy, which we humans are good at. We're real. If there's something we're good at, we're good at idiocy. It's just a nice way of saying idiots. All right. I'm just saying like, like you know, the Band-Aid, you guys remember the little stuck on Band-Aid? I got a new, I'm stuck on stupid because stupid's stuck on me, right? I mean, like that's, like, that's like the human theme song, right? I mean, like, if we were like, what's the human theme song? Stuck on stupid. I mean, because we just keep doing stupid stuff. So God has said, okay, don't touch dead stuff. It'll get you sick, right? Don't eat this unclean thing because you're unclean. Hello, that's how diseases happen, I mean, he has to spell it out. He had to give us 613 laws just to stay alive. That's how stupid we are sometimes. I'm just saying. Anyways, moving along. So there's a difference between God giving a commandment saying, hey, this is how you're to treat people. This is how you're supposed to do this thing. I want you to forgive. I'm commanding you to do this. I'm commanding you to share your faith. Everything that God set in place for us to do as a command is to help us, not hurt us. A vow is when I say, God, I want to do something for you, and I'm making a vow to you. So he says, if you want to make a vow, then you must abstain from these things. Okay? Now, now we got that. So he, this boy in Judges 13, he later is given the name Samson. He is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God. This word dedicated. Um, 
First, the, the word Nazarite, Nazir in Hebrew, it means a person chosen or consecrated for life or a certain amount of time. I just didn't have enough space in there. It could be for life or a certain amount of time to complete a vow to God. So you're making a vow to God. The word devoted, they would have self-discipline. They would self-discipline themselves in this vow not to do certain things. In this case, was not to drink wine, not to do cut their hair. The long hair was a sign that, hey, you're different from everyone else. But I want you to understand, the self-discipline tasks are not much different than spiritual disciplines of today. Reading your Bible, prayer, um, giving, fasting, uh, serving, evangelism. I'm trying to go through them all. Like I have them in our class. I should probably have somebody in my class do this part. Um, but designated to keep us separated from the world and close to God. That's what the purpose was. Okay, But here's the thing. Samson, this, this story didn't go well for Samson. So it didn't go well, and, and so most of you might know the, the story of Samson, but if you don't, real quick, I'm just going to kind of, you know, he was like a, a, a non-green hulk of the day. Very strong, stronger than anyone else, great warrior. He defeated many people at one single time all by himself type of thing. He was he was the greatest warrior and the strongest warrior. He got his strength from the Lord um, through this vow he made to the Lord. He fell in love with a woman. And, and not just one woman, two women. Both of those women were not great choices. We'll just, we'll just kind of leave it there. Not great choices. Um, these women were not people who shared his same values. They were, they were women who, who did not believe the same, have the same values that he had, and therefore... Um, was basically wanting to learn the secret of his great strength, which was he had long hair. So he finally confessed his secret of strength. Hey, my hair's never been cut. So the woman he was in love with decided while he was sleeping to cut his hair, call the enemies in. He was captured. He was tortured. He was mocked. He was taken to the temple of their god, Dagon. And uh, one recorded prayer, the only time that it says that he ever prayed to the Lord he prayed for strength one last time to pull the temple onto himself and to revenge him. Avenge me, and I'm going to kill everybody and myself. So that's a sad story of Samson. It's not a great, really encouraging, uplifting. Um, this is not a story that's on Caleb right now. You know, I mean, so, but here's the thing is I want us to look. We can learn a lot from Samson and um, this terrible woman named Delilah. Um, hope nobody's name is Delilah. If it is, it's a great, wonderful name for you. Don't be like her. So here's the things that he did. He did not obey God's law. We're going to see how throughout this story how he did not obey God's law. He did not fulfill his vow to God, and he was not dedicated to God. And we're going to, that's going to be my main focus point that I want you to see is that he was never really dedicated to God. There's a big difference um, between dedicated to God and I want to fulfill my vow and legalism. See, legalism leaves no room for spirituality. Legalism is I'm following these rules so I can be strong. I'm following these rules so I can get something from God. Being dedicated is, God, I just want to do this for you. There's a complete different, there's a complete world of difference between how Samson approached this and how we should be approaching God. I'm, I want to be dedicated to God, not just doing stuff so I can get stuff. So um, that's what we're going to be looking at. So in our story, it picks up in Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah. And he saw a young Philistine woman. She was finer than frog's hair. It doesn't say that there. I just added that part. That was a little bit of my, my blurb there. Finer than frog's hair. Um, when he turned to his father and his mother, he said, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Go get her. She's mine. I want that one. I want that one. That's kind of a little bit different back then. They, they found wives a little bit. She's cute. I don't know what her name is. Go get her for me, mom and dad. Everybody's like, what? I mean, this, this is a real story. It's, I'm just reading. I'm just, this is how. So uh, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman? Go, mom and dad. Is there not someone's acceptable? I wish we had more parents that would say that to their kids. Is there anyone else? Right? Is there anyone else that might be a little more acceptable? Okay. <laughs> Among your Relatives? Whew. This one's hard, Pastor Paul. 
Okay, he's not talking about like your cousins, okay? Um, what this would be is they were from the tribe of the Danites. So you could marry someone within the Danite tribe that would go all the way back to the Danites, but it's not like you're marrying your first cousin, okay? So, so we, like, some, find someone within our huge tribe of the Danite tribe. There's 12 tribes. Or someone among our people, could you at least, if you don't like anybody from the Danites, could you go to, you know, the Levites or, 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 or the tribe of Judah? Is there not anyone who shares the same principles and morals and desires and devotion that we have? Is there anyone else out there? Or must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one. Ooh, son. She's the right one for me. What Samson wanted for himself was more important than what God wanted for him. Guys, that is... That is our world today. God says, I have this beautiful, amazing plan for your life. And you're like, I don't really care what your plan is because I have my own plan. And it includes what I want. When what you want is more important than what God wants, you're cutting him out of your plan. Because it's no longer God's plan for your life, but your plan for your life. And I'm telling you where that ends. We're, we're, it ends twice badly for Samson. Two times bad. And it's not, the, it's, the, it's not about the woman as much as it's about Samson. This story is more about Samson's failure to follow God. It's not the woman's fault she didn't follow God. She didn't follow God to begin with. It was on Samson. You're supposed to be dedicated to God. Can you not make better choices when you're dedicated to God? What he wanted for himself became more important than what God had for him. Therefore, as it ended, he did not obey God's command. In Deuteronomy, hold on just a second, I want to see my notes. Okay, okay, good. Um, while, so in Deuteronomy, it says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering, where they're, they're now there, and to possess and drives out before you many nations, larger and stronger than you, make no treaty with them. Look at what he says. This is what God's command is. Do not intermarry with them. Do not intermarry with them do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons for why god has a reason he's not being a jerk god is not just saying i want to say no to say no you know that's not the point here what the point is is this god is saying listen if you do it they will turn your children away from following me so god says listen i'm trying to help you Quit giving your children to non-believing people or they will take your believing children and lead them away from God. God's not being mean. God's setting a standard and saying, listen, don't get unequally yoked. Did you know that out of the top three reasons for divorce in America today, one of the top three reasons is because they don't share the same faith. See, at first you're like, oh man, they're so cute. I can get over this. Or, you know what? I, they'll, we'll, they'll come around. And it does while you're dating, but then what happens is most people, when they get married, they stop dating and they stop, you know, I, I did that because I was trying to get the ring on your finger and, and get this, you know, you know the, 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 the marriage, and then I'm going to just turn into who I really always have been. You see, the Lord is saying, hey, I put this command out here to protect you from your own idiocy here. Don't give your, and he's not just talking to the child, is he? He's talking to the parents. Look, parents, right? Did I, do, not give your, do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve their gods. And then the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly, and will quickly destroy you. For you are a people holy to the Lord. Man, that's a tough lesson, right? I can tell you guys are all really quiet right now. A lot of uncomfortable children. Moms are like, mm-hmm, you go. Right? I can feel it all happening. The tension is great. 
So this is what happens right here with the stories happening where Samson's saying, this woman's the right one for me. This is what happens when parents let their kids run the house. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging the hole. I'm up here, and there's got to be some way out of here. But, I, I mean, here's, here's something that happens in America. There's two things that I see happening in America with families today. Either the kids seem to be running the house, and they tell mom yes or no. I'll tell you what. There was a kid who said no to me once. Oh, you don't know him. I'm kidding. There was a kid that said no, and I said, what? I'm like, no, I'll be right on that. I mean, I mean no, I'm going to go do it. That's what I thought you said. So you tell me no one more time and see what, go ahead, try it out. Say the word no. I'm the dad of this house, right? I'll tell you what, you tell me no, my whole barn's getting cleaned, and every rock's going to be out of the, you know, the, 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 the rocky pile. We're, gonna, we're doing something. We're digging a hole to China today, you know. Parents, your kids should never run the house. You're the parent. God entrusted you with those kids. They don't get to say no. They're the kids. You're the parent. You say no. That person's not right for you. No. Now, when they get out of my house, they could do whatever they want because they have the freedom to do that. They don't have freedom in my house. They just don't. Sometimes a parent needs to say, no, you're not mature enough to handle that. No. Sometimes a parent needs to take that phone away from a kid because they're not mature enough to handle a phone. Mm-hmm. You see... Either the kids are running the house or the parents are so caught up in wanting to be liked by their children, they try to be friends. You just ask my kids. I tell them all the time, I am not your friend. I'm your dad. When you have kids, I'll be your friend. Not really. I'm still going to be your dad. So you want a friend, go get a friend your own age. I mean, the thing is, is that my ki- I love my kids, and I'm not saying this because I love my children. I love them. Because I love them, I'm not going to be their friend. They have all kinds of people their own age to be friends with. Because I love my kids, I'm your dad, and I'm the one that's going to say no in your life. And there's going to be times I say yes because I think you're ready. But if you keep acting mature, the answer is no, and I'm not changing my mind. When you get 18 and move out of my house, you can say yes to your safe, and then I can say I told you so later. So the thing is, is that, guys, you're, you're their parent. You're the parent. And so here's the thing is the Bible says, parents, don't give your children to a non-believing person. Don't do it. Because they'll get led away from the most important relationship. I remember my grandma told me, she goes, Daniel, I, I remember this so clearly. My grandma said, two biggest decisions in your entire life. There's two decisions in every person's life that are greater than all other and have greater consequences than anything else you'll ever decide on. First is giving your life to the Lord. That is the greatest decision in the entire universe. There is eternity on the line with that decision. And the second decision is who you choose to marry. Because you spend Every day, the rest of your life. <laughs> With them, and it's wonderful not, sometimes, most of the time. I mean, you know, so, so here's the thing, though, is, is when you make, that's a big decision. And here's the thing. Shouldn't make it lightly. You shouldn't make it because they're cute. In fact, if, if, if Samson was going to say something to us, he would say, never compromise your walk with God for anyone. Never compromise your walk with God for anyone. I don't care how cute they are. I don't care. There's somebody else just as cute out there that loves the Lord. I'm telling you, if there's nobody cute in Warsaw that loves the Lord, just go to college and find someone that's cute and loves the Lord. Loves the Lord. I found mine at SBU. 
That's right. She was a freshman. I was a senior. This little blonde, she's she's like, hey, Danny. I'm like, hi. She goes, you don't know who I am, but I want to. I'm really eager to get to know you. I don't know who you are, but I'm glad there's a connection somewhere. So anyways, two months later, I was finding a ring and everything. So in fact, December 11th was the day I, I proposed back in 2002. 2002. Thank you for the help, honey. She's like, all right, so peace sign, two, I got it. So the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked. That is something that we need to be very, very, very careful. When you place an earthly relationship before your relationship with God, you have then compromised your walk with God for someone who's not walking with God. That will not end well. It's better to be a single Pringle ready to mingle than to not be single and be Pringled. I don't know where I was going with that. Be dedicated to the Lord means that I'm dedicated to his ways, his commands. God, I want, I'm dedicated to you. My vow is to you first and foremost. If you think about it, when I walk in and when I, when I, I give my life, as my Christian anthem, when I, surre- I surrender my life to God, God, I, I love you. You died on the cross for me. I need your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. I want to be saved. I'm giving my life. How many of you have given your life to God? Praise God. So many people, so many of us have given. So here's the deal. God, I'm dedicated to you. Means that you're also dedicated to his ways and his commands. Jesus said this in John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? To have his commands is one thing, but to have them and obey them, tell Jesus that you love him. God, I love you, and I want to do what you want me to do. So the story continues. Samson went down to Timnah. Um, Together with his father and his mother, they approached the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Woo! Strong guy. As he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. He then went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. So he, he was just attracted to her to begin with, wants her to be married. Now he's like, oh, okay, I like, I, that was a good conversation. Story continues, verse 8. Sometime later, he went back to marry her. He turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. A carcass is a dead, nasty thing. Aside to the lion's carcass. He saw it in a swarm of bees. He took some honey, scooped it out. Dead carcass. <laughs> All right? All right. That, that's kind of what it looked like, maybe. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it. And as he went along, he then joined his parents, gave them something to eat, and didn't even tell them. And they ate it too. They didn't have a clue what they were eating. Yummy. Right? Mmm. Where'd you get this? Special place. Those weren't all bees, some of them were flies. Just giving you a picture. You're welcome. So here's what we know is now is not only did Samson not follow God's commands for his life about who he was going to marry and God's, God's commands about that, but now he did not fulfill his vow. If you remember, he wasn't supposed to eat anything unclean. He wasn't supposed to, uh, supposed, supposed, to, supposed to drink a fermented drink. He was not to cut his hair, and he wasn't to touch dead things. So he touched a dead thing, and inside the dead thing is honey, so that would make the honey unclean, and he touched a dead... So, so now he broke two of his four vows for some honey. Now, we sing a song about honey from the rock. Honey from the rock's good, not honey from a lion's carcass. Just, you know, so there is a difference, you know. So, so all right, so here's the deal. So now, now Delilah, so, so here, let me tell you a little bit about how this story ends. He goes down, he marries this girl. Because he, she's a Philistine and none of the Jews respected his choice, right, which they shouldn't because God told them not to do it and he didn't listen to anybody. He did whatever he wanted to do and so he went down there and he had no friends to show up to his wedding, 
So they gave him 30 companions. That means they, gave, they supplied his friends. Hey, you don't have any friends because all the Jews are over there and we're over here. So hey, we're going to be your friends. 30 companions. That, that he got 30 friends that show up. And so he, he says, I'm going to tell you a riddle. If you answer my riddle, I'll give you 30 sets of clothes. If you can't settle, solve this riddle, then, then you give me 30 sets of clothes, you know, as a wedding present, all that good stuff. It would be good. It would be fun. So he says, you know, out of something strong is something sweet to eat. Um, and so they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure it out. They went to his newly wife that he was just married, you know, like less than seven days into their marriage. All these Philistines said, hey, tell, tell us what, this, what the riddle is. And so she says, hey, honey, if you say you love me, why don't you tell me the answer to the riddle? And so he's, you know, I didn't even tell my mom and my dad what the answer to the riddle is. And she goes, oh, you don't love me. And, oh, fine, I'll tell you the answer. So he gives her the, the answer. She goes and tells the Philistines. They say, well, what's stronger than a lion? What's sweeter than honey? So he says, well, you would have never gotten this if you hadn't plowed with my wife, which is a weird choice of words, but it's in the Bible. Go look it up. So he gets mad, leaves her. I'm not, you know, he didn't divorce her yet, but he left her. He's angry. He goes out and he beats up 30 Philistines, takes their clothes, gives them to them. He's mad. He's angry. Now Delilah comes into the story. All right. So Delilah, be aware of pretenders. Okay, so here's the story. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Like it hadn't happened before, right? I want you to know something about her. She does not want him. She wants what she can get through him. See, when we're watching out for pretenders, like the whole story today, the point of today is, is that we need to watch out for pretenders that are sent to destroy you. See, she doesn't want him. She wants the money that she can get through him. Have you ever met somebody who really doesn't want you? They maybe want your popularity or they, they, they want your, the money that comes from your career or maybe they want the home that you're living in. And, and, and there's people who like, man, I want what that person's got, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with that person. And it's not because you love that person. You want what that person has. That's, that's what we have to watch out for. Right? You guys following me on that? We need to be careful and watch for people who don't really actually want you. They just want what you have. Samson falls in love with this woman who doesn't love him in return. She doesn't love him. She doesn't want him. She wants the money that she can get by tricking him. And he fell in love with her. So he's in love with her without being loved. She's faking it, pretending. So Skip a couple verses. She then says to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third, <laughs> third time you've made me a fool and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. So what happened is she says, hey, tell me your great strength. He goes, okay, you know, if you tie me up with new ropes that have never been used on anything else. So then she ties him up. Oh, the Philistines are here. The Philistines are here. And he breaks through. Well, you didn't tell, oh, you know, if you actually braid my hair with such and such, then, then I'll, I'll be just as weak as any of my, so she braids his hair, and oh, the Philistines are here, right? How big of a meathead do you have to get to not figure out what she's up to? I mean, you know what I'm saying? She says, you've done this three times, you've made me a fool. She kept nagging and nagging and nagging, and it says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until she was sick, or until he was sick to death, and he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God for my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he told her everything, so she went then sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands, putting him to sleep over her lap. She called someone, he shaved off the seven braids of his hair, and he 
and so began to subdue him, and his strength left. So Delilah pretended to be in love with Samson while on mission to destroy him. How did he not see this? Is anybody else thinking the same thing? Like, uh, here's your sign, right? Right? Jesus said to the disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep among... Okay, you guys can do that better. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among... There we go, right? So we're surrounded by wolves on all sides, right? So it's going to require some wisdom from someone who knows the difference between a wolf, a sheep, and a goat. Sounds like a beginning of a bad Christian joke, doesn't it, James? Like, I feel like one's coming on, and I'm, I can't even think about making one up right now. So, I mean, because the Bible says that there's sheep, and then there's goats, right? And the goats are just lost people that one day could, could be turned into a sheep. You know, they could, you know, be converted, changed, right? But then there's wolves who pretend they have sheep's clothing. They're pretending to be a sheep. They're pretending to be in there. Uh, so we, we need someone. Man, if we just knew... If we just knew someone who knew who the pretender was, right? I mean, man, if we just knew someone in our life that knew the difference between someone who needed grace and someone who needed a whooping, someone who was stealing and someone who's telling the truth, man, if there was someone out there, man, that would be great. Man, if Samson just knew someone that could tell him She's a snake. God. God knows. See, if you would remain close to God, and if you seek His wisdom, then He can tell you who the wolf is. He can tell you who the pretender is. But that would require you being close to God. Wouldn't it? See, remember back in the story, he compromised his relationship with God to break God's commands to follow a woman who didn't follow his God. He compromised his relationship with God. Now, children, if youth... Okay, youth. Anytime you hear your parent start talking about relationships and they're starting to say, hey... Is there anyone else? Just remember this story. Your parents are commanded by God to be a part of that situation, to be a part of that helping guide you and lead you into a right relationship so that you aren't led away from God. See, he compromises relationship with God for two different women who both did not help him. Delilah was not the only pretender in this story, though. Samson was never really dedicated to God. That's why he couldn't fulfill God's commandments. That's why he, couldn't, he, he didn't fulfill his vows. In fact, guys, there's only one time that he was recorded in all of his story that he ever prayed to God. And when he prayed to God, it was because he wanted God to revenge him and give him the strength to destroy the Philistines. It wasn't about, God, I want to serve you. It's these guys poked out both of my eyes. They mocked me, ridiculed me. God, I want to kill all of my enemies. Give me strength one last time. That was his prayer. That was his prayer life. You see, what happens when you, when you, you, know, when you turn what could have been dedication and it really what it turned into was legalism. You see, Samson never dedicated to the Lord. He was never truly dedicated. He was dedicated to what he received from the Lord. He was more interested in the strength from God than the relationship with God. Samson was more interested in receiving than giving, and that, my friends, is legalism. Or one aspect of legalism. Surely we don't ever have that kind of relationship with God. Surely we never like, God, I really just want salvation and I just don't want to go to hell. And I mean, I can't tell you how many people like, I don't really want to go to church. I don't like going to church. I just don't want to go to hell. So we're kind of like Samson in a lot of ways. Aren't we like Samson? Aren't we a little like Samson where it was like, God, I, I want what you're going to give me and I'll do the stuff that I have to do to get what you've got. 
When God really just wants a relationship with you, with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you. He's in love with you. And too many times we are in love with God's stuff. Huh? Come on. Right? We're leading up. You can feel it. We're leading up to the invitation real quick, right? You can feel it. Like, oh, I know where he's going now. She called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep. Oh, I'll get out of this just like before. I'll shake myself free. Now listen to this, the very next verse. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That, that sunk in, right? I mean, that, like when, you, when I read that the first time, I'm like, dude, the dude didn't even know? He didn't even know that the Lord wasn't with him anymore? How do we get to a point where we don't know that God's not with us? How do you one day wake up and go, oh, wow, God's not with me? Because our life is like a slow fade. We just slowly, slowly fade away. And one day, wake up and God's not with us. That is terrifying. Just the thought of that is terrifying. See, I asked this question, how do we know that Samson was not dedicated to the Lord? He did not walk close enough to the Lord to even know that he'd left him. See, the whole vow to be a Nazarite was about being dedicated to the Lord. It wasn't about his long hair. It wasn't about his strength. It was about his dedication to God. And that's where we keep going wrong. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, I want this. God, I want this. And all the time, God's like, I just want you. I just want you. When can we come to a place where I just want God? All the other stuff's great. Whatever. God, I want you. More than anything else. And God, I want to find someone in this world that loves you just like I love you so that our love would be amazing and fierce together. I've told all of my daughters that I will not say yes to any man or boy that wants to marry them if I don't think that he loves the Lord more than he loves them. That's scary if you think about it. To find someone who loves God more than they love the person sitting next to them. You ever thought about how tough of a question that really is? Do you love God more? And how do I know that? How do I know that you love God more than you love or what you say that you love about my daughter, right? Or any parent, any parent, right? Any adult that maybe you're finding yourself at a stage in your life where you're single and pringle and ready to mingle, don't settle for anyone who doesn't love God more than you. Don't do it. Wait. It's better to be single than to be unequally yoked because you're walk will, with God will be compromised or your relationship with them will be compromised one or the other both will lead to pain unnecessary pain if we were dedicated to the Lord we stay dedicated to the Lord and if somebody comes along finds me attractive like my wife she, she thought she's like oh my goodness you're so hot and I'm like she's wearing glasses guys I mean like you know like I'm blurry you know like hey this is great for me right now you know and I've got personality I, now, now I'm blurry so she didn't get glasses until we were married so anyways um you know but the thing was is that what I was drawn to her is her love for the Lord What she was drawn into me was my love for the Lord. And it was just a bonus that both of us were attractive. I mean, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm like, honey, I'm sorry I'm not better looking than this. (laughs) I'm sorry that you're stuck with this. Anyways, but anyways, so all joking aside, all joking aside, let's get serious for a moment. Here we go. Is this where some of us are today? Samson compromised his walk with God 
for a relationship. That's not just boyfriend, girlfriend. That's not just marriage stuff. You can compromise your walk with God with Facebook. You can compromise your walk with God with pornography, with alcohol, with drugs. You can compromise your walk with God because you want to hang out with a bunch of guys acting like idiots. Because you want to be popular or you want to be good at sports. You can compromise your walk with God over a career, over money, over vehicles, over a house, over land. You can compromise your relationship with God any in a million different ways. So what I'm wanting to bring it back to is this. Are we maybe a little bit more like Samson than we thought? Maybe, maybe we came in today and are like, man, would I know if God wasn't here? Would I know that? Because some of us are like, never even thought about that. Oh, I want us to think about it. Samson woke up and he had taken his relationship with God for granted for who knows how many years because God had just given him strength. And so he, he, he took for granted the most amazing relationship he ever had, compromised it over somebody who didn't even love him. Facebook doesn't love you. God does. Those reels, they don't love you. God does. That job that you're killing yourself over doesn't love you. God does. God loves you. He wants you. Do you want him? Or do you want what he has? Let's have a heart check today. Do I want God just because I want him? Not because of everything he's been trying to give me. Would you bow your heads? Maybe you have some pretenders in your life that maybe your eyes are being opened and you realize there's some people in your life that are actually destroying your walk with God. Maybe you have some hard decisions ahead of you. Not everyone in your life that doesn't believe is, is a wolf. I want you to know that. Some are people who need to be led to the Lord. If somebody's in your life and they're serving the devil, you definitely need to get out of that. But I want to ask you is, have you been pretending with God? Maybe you have ulterior motives of why you go to church. Maybe you go to church because you want to be a punch that card in for the Lord to see, God, I'm here. Look at me. I'm here. God, I'm here. Or maybe you're here because you're saying, God, I want to meet you. And I want to be with my family. And I want to praise your name. Guys, I want to challenge you. I want you to, every day that you come here, every week that we get into God's word, I want it to be something that challenges us to the very core. Every week challenges us to ask tough questions. And today's tough question is, am I pretending with God? Am I pretending with him? Am I chasing after him because of what he can give me? Or do I want him just because I want him? The altar is open. Maybe some of you here today have never given your life to Jesus. You don't even really at this point would know exactly what it takes to dedicate yourself to him but you want to pastor paul is going to be up here in the front i'm going to be up here in the front pastor daryl with the cowboy hats in the back all three of us would love to walk you into a relationship with god if 
you are not saved and you've never given your life to the Lord, heads bowed, eyes closed, is there anyone here today that says, I have never given myself to Jesus, but I want to? It's two questions. I want to give my life to God. If you do, right now, everybody else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and if they're looking around, it's just because they want to do the same thing. If you want to ask Jesus into your life, come to Pastor Paul, Pastor Daryl right now. Maybe today is a day, maybe you feel a little convicted in your heart. Maybe you've been doing some pretending with the Lord. Maybe your relationship's been a little like Samson and you've made some compromises along the way. How many of you would be honest, just kind of slip that hand up, even halfway, that you've made some compromises with your walk with the Lord? Is there anybody that's got some compromises? Let's stop compromising today. Let's confess that compromise to the Lord. Any of you here today, maybe you feel like you're drifting away from God just a little bit. And maybe it's been happening over a course of time and you just feel a little bit further and a little bit further away from Him. Let's change that now. Right now. Won't you come? Leave that compromise here at the altar. Maybe you need to renew that dedication with God. Renew that relationship.